This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Today, we've got a special guest to talk all about stress because stress plays such a huge uh, role in the exacerbation of autoimmune conditions. And the scientific studies show that particularly interpersonal stress, stress between loved ones or uh, family members, friends, and so forth, show clinically uh, worsening symptoms for people with rheumatoid arthritis uh, and inflammatory arthritic conditions. And so we can never get enough good information about stress reduction. And today's guest is an expert in stress. He's written a book, and uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. The book is called The Stress-Proof Life, The Secret to Health, Wealth, and Happiness. And he's also a uh, doctor of chiropractic. Uh, He's holding a Bachelor of Science degrees in chemistry and human biology. And his chiropractic center, which he founded, is the Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center. So with great credentials, it's my very big pleasure to welcome Dr. Amir uh, to our episode today. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Clint, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, and I know you've got an amazing people, a group of people who follow you and listen to you, so it's really an honor to be here. Thanks so much. Well, that's lovely. Thank you. Uh, so, look, I've sort of set the scene in the in the introduction there that with autoimmune diseases, uh, everyone's got this uh, relationship between stress and conditions, and whilst we don't need to, you know, spend our whole episode trying to tailor it specifically autoimmunity, why don't we just talk about, first of all, the, the sources of stress in our lives, and, and, and then we'll get into some examples that you've seen in your clinic of how people have been able to uh, get rid of some stressful situations. Absolutely. You know, uh, when it comes to autoimmune, it's it's your body just not working the way it's supposed to. It's your immune system uh, finding things inside of you that that it wants to attack, building antibodies, not allowing you to uh, be free of inflammation, and then and then that 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 can be it's attacking the joints or it's it's through the gut attacking other substances. It can be awful. Uh, multiple sclerosis, to rheumatoid arthritis, to psoriatic arthritis. We've seen it all, and I do know that when you strengthen the body as a whole then the body can start to self-regulate and normalize. I do know that how we respond to stress is what the focus should be. So just to back up a little bit, we need to define the word stress. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had so many patients come to me uh, throughout the years. I mean, this is the reason I wrote the book is because people say stress is the reason I'm sick. If I had less stress, none of my problems would be there. I'd be great. I'd be healthy. And I agree with that to a degree. However, if we were able and equipped to handle that stress properly, then it may. (laughs) She's cute. Just a little one telling me that she loves me. Sorry to interrupt with that. Uh, you can't get enough of that. (laughs) Yeah. So your patients are all telling you, if I didn't have this stress, I wouldn't be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I kind of think the best way to reduce your stress is quit your job and leave your family. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. That just doesn't sound right. Yeah. When there's stress in our life, our bodies will act in fight or flight. They'll act in the sympathetic nervous system, which means they'll uh, direct your body's resources and energy toward the things that are going to survive, help you survive, which means they stop doing the things that make you healthy and go towards emergency response. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I was nine years old the first time this happened. My mother said, hey, Amir, don't forget to turn on your radio before you go to bed tonight. And so I I turned on the radio and turned up the volume, went to sleep. There's no programming. It's totally silent. But after midnight, this loud siren blared through the radio and I jumped out of bed. And with my family, we ran out the door, ran down the hallway, ran down the stairs, all the way down to the basement of the building where everybody else was waiting. And they were terrified. And then we heard the roar of this jet engine overhead. And then we we heard the whistle of a bomb that had just been dropped. And this bomb is getting closer and closer because the the loud the sound is getting louder and louder. But you can't tell where it is. It's too high pitched for for an untrained ear to be able to tell. So it could be right over your head or it could be a block away. And all you can do is just wait and hope and pray that it's not you. And then we heard the explosion and the walls kind of shook and the lights flickered and we knew we were okay. But someone must have just lost our life. Now, that instant, that moment as that bomb is falling, that's the stress response in an extreme sense. Your pupils dilate, right? You turn pale white, blood leaves your face and your hands and your feet. Heart rate goes up, right? Your breathing is different. Your, Your digestive system stops and so does your immune system. So now think about this. Let's say um, I'm someone who has a stressful job and I show up to work every morning and my boss yells at me all day. And at five o'clock when it's time for me to go home, let's say he comes and drops off a stack of papers in front of me on my desk and says, you can't leave till you finish this. So I stay late and finish it. I get home at 730, o'clock at night. And when I go home, now my wife is upset with me saying, why are you late again? I had to put the kids to bed by myself, had to feed them, whatever. And now I go to bed and I can't sleep. Now, why can't I sleep? Because there's these thoughts that are circulating in my brain over and over and I can't shut them down. You've heard the phrase, I'm too tired to sleep. Well, it doesn't sounds like an oxymoron when you think about it. How can you be too tired to sleep? It's like saying it was raining so hard I didn't get wet. So But the reason for that is because your body is in fight or flight, because when that bomb was falling, do you think there's any chance anybody could lie down and take a nap? You can't sleep. Same thing when your body's in fight or flight for other reasons. So we all have bombs that are falling in our lives, right? Those bombs are anything from a big move, you know, mm-hmm. like like you did. Uh, it, it could it could be a, a job. It could be changing jobs. It could be higher education. It could be uh, taking final exams, uh, finances, you name it, the disaster, illness of, of yourself or a loved one. Now your immune system will shut down so will your digestive system. So a lot of times when people are in this stress situation, uh, long-term, they have dry eyes, dry mouth, and dry skin because in that state of fight or flight, blood leaves your face. 
So they constantly talk about feel dry skin. They're the ones that have cold hands and cold feet. Even in the summer, the weather's warm, but their hands are always cold because they're in that fight or flight state, that stress response, and they have constipation. Their digestive system just doesn't move properly. Why? Because their body, their brain think there's a bomb falling. So you don't want to divert any attention to the digestive system. You want to run away from the bomb. And then the immune system. So they're the ones that get cold to catch a cold in the summer when you're not supposed to catch a cold or get the flu. Uh, they're the ones that have chronic sinus infections. Three, four times a year, their sinuses are inflamed. And they're the ones where their autoimmune disorder will flare up, come out of remission, and it can't work properly. Now their immune system's not acting right. But then think about that. When you have that autoimmune flare up, you're more likely to go into fight or flight. So it just perpetuates that. Now, when you first enter that fight or flight, you have cravings. Sugar is what you want. So you're going to reach for uh, refined sugars, candy, chocolate. Right? If there's a bowl of M&Ms, you can't eat just one. When you stay in this fight or flight longer than, let's say, a few months, now your body's depleted on that and it needs more things like triglycerides. So your cholesterol level starts to go up, triglycerides go up, your cravings change. You still want the M&Ms, but now you want something with fat in it. So you want ice cream and donuts. So your craving switch. So for the listeners who are going, oh yeah, I used to crave a lot of sugar, but now I'm craving ice cream and donuts. You're in that second stage. Your body is more depleted. The last thing that happens is your adrenal glands get depleted. Now your adrenals are so important for your immune system. In fact, so many of my patients who have a low immune system, we get sick all the time. Sometimes, of course, we run some tests and analyze this, but sometimes we just put them on adrenal supports. And when you strengthen your adrenal glands, there's normal amount of adrenaline in the body. All of a sudden, their immune system goes up. And it's fantastic how that happens because they have, the immune system needs energy, lots of it. That's mm -hmm. why when it's cold outside and your body takes some of that energy and diverts it towards maintaining your core temperature, your immune system drops and you catch a cold because the weather is cold. But what's the craving you get in that last stage is now you're craving salty foods. Now you go from the ice cream and donuts, you also want potato chips and pretzels because your adrenal glands require salty foods and minerals to support those glands so they can continue to kick out the adrenaline. When you're in adrenal fatigue, that's the person who falls asleep in a classroom. That's the person who falls asleep behind the wheel when they're driving. That's the person who's exhausted all the time, can't make it through a movie without falling asleep. Uh, that's the person who can drink a cup of coffee in the evening and still be able to go to bed. So that's, that's kind of what I work with is getting you stronger so you can handle your stress so that we can hopefully send some of these autoimmune things into remission. Yeah. Wow. Um, some great stuff there. And I think that everyone right now is just nodding their head. They're like, yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. What you've done <laughs> is set this fantastic platform of here's the problem. Okay. So here is the problem. Everything that you've just talked about, you've got everyone nodding and you, people are definitely saying, okay, we understand. So what do we do about it? Now, before we get into what do we do about it, I don't want us to finish this conversation without addressing adrenal fatigue and some and some more information around that and whether or not I don't know if we want to go into it right now, but whether or not you see people on uh, drugs like steroids causing adrenal fatigue, and if so, uh, whether your approach of, uh, of uh, assisting with that uh, has been successful for those people, because prednisone is very heavily used in the autoimmune 
world. So I don't know if we want to talk about that right now or whether or not we want to keep on your train of thought uh, with the solutions to what we've just uh, highlighted. Yeah, well, no, let's hit it because I, I know a lot of people, you know, are, are on on prednisone. And, and so uh, typically what happens is when you're taking something orally or or uh, or intravenous or if it's being injected into your body, any form, your adrenals usually stop producing it because they go, I already have enough. And that can make them lazy. That can make them stop. Cortisol gets released by your adrenals naturally, right? It gets released naturally to do some of those anti-inflammatory things. It's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I'm totally against calling anything that the body naturally produces bad. There's no bad hormones. There's no bad cholesterol. There's, there's nothing bad that anything the body produces and does is for the purpose of increasing your chances of survival. So absolutely adrenal fatigue can occur if you're on a lot of prednisone. And then the, the other problem is, you know, all the metabolic issues that happen. It can lead to osteoporosis because of the metabolism, uh, weight gain, fat gain, then, then lack of motivation and, and you name it. So bottom line, if we can get you off of the prednisone, and get your body working on its own properly. It's amazing. So it, it you know, then then it goes into um, restoring the gut flora. Yeah. And then uh, so yeah. so here's yeah. the thing. So let's switch the solutions, right? Yeah. So we we don't want to be on the prednisone. We want to send the autoimmune into remission. I talk about the three coins. I believe life is a three dimensional thing. Mm-hmm. So the three dimensions of life are physical, chemical, and psychological. Mm-hmm. So if they were, if these are three coins, each coin has two sides. So in the physical dimension of life, uh, one side of that coin is exercise. Are we exercising properly? You and I know that when you do something intense, you release some endorphins, some enkephalins. What's endorphin? Endorphin is natural morphine. It It's a painkiller, but it doesn't have any side effects and it may, gives you this good feeling. So Exercise is important. The other side of the coin is rest. Are we getting enough rest? I believe a lot of our friends who are battling things like rheumatoid, if we could get them to sleep better, their bodies could start to repair better. Adrenal fatigue can go away if we get proper REM sleep without supplements even. I mean, it'll start to recover. That's when our bodies recover if we sleep properly. I always say how you sleep is more important than how much you sleep. You sleep eight hours. But if you're not getting REM sleep and you're not in the right state and you didn't prepare for your sleep properly, now all of a sudden your sleep's not as productive as it was. Just like uh, I, I firmly believe how you eat is more important than what you eat. And I know that's controversial because people are saying, you know, I eat organic foods and yeah, you do. But what if you eat it in the car while you're driving in rush hour traffic, talking on the phone and yelling at the people cutting you off? What's your state? If you're in fight or flight, doesn't matter what you put in your mouth, your digestive system's not working properly. That food sits there, it becomes, it ferments, and now it's not nutritious food anymore. By the time it gets into your intestines, because everything's moving so much slower, it's not as nutritious as it was when you first put it in your mouth. And in addition to that, what I've noticed over the years when I was inflamed and reacting to foods, because a lot of you know food sensitivities are in play, that if I would eat when I wasn't hungry, guaranteed I'd get inflammation. Yes. And if I was extremely hungry when I ate the same amount of food, the inflammation would be negligible. Same food, yes. hungry versus not hungry. So, you know, also when you're sort of in tune with the body saying, now I'm ready to process this yeah. meal. 
Okay. Thank you. Continue. Absolutely. You're yeah. 100% right. It, we call that innate intelligence or innate wisdom. Yeah. The body has its own wisdom. It knows what it needs when it needs it. You know, a perfect example of that, and I'll get back to the three coins, yeah. is uh, morning sickness. You know, you, you have children, and, and, and I don't know if your wife had as much morning sickness as mine did. I have three sons, and oh my gosh, it was 24 hours a day morning sickness for mm-hmm. the whole entire first trimester. So I did some research and studying on this, and there was this thing called the Dutch famine study where the pregnant women who who lived during the famine, not enough food to eat, their babies were born normal weight and very, very healthy. But if the famine continued through the second and third trimester, those babies were underweight. But in that first trimester, you actually are supposed to starve. You're not supposed to eat much. The body rejects a lot of that. There's been couple of drugs in history that were supposed to suppress morning sickness, but the women who took those drugs had birth defects in their babies. Just use your imagination, uh, deformed hands and so on and organs. And so, so there's a theory that says, okay, maybe it was the chemical that they put in their body that caused the deformities. But if you go by innate wisdom or innate intelligence, you go, okay, there's developmental windows for that fetus. And at every minute, there's a different organ or different tissue being developed, and that fetus needs different foods. So it'll reject certain ones, and it'll create cravings for the other ones. Like my wife, she hates seafood, but all of a sudden she said, I need to eat fish. So I had to get her fish. As pregnancy was over, she hates fish again. But while pregnant, she needed fish. So (laughs) those are the cravings, but that's innate wisdom. And and when you use a drug to manipulate those yeah. things, yeah. now you're creating problems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My sister had um, terrible morning sickness, uh, just absolutely appalling. And she found that all she could eat was just white rice. And like she just couldn't keep anything down for the first few months as well. Uh, and again, her children are just outstanding. They are like the smartest, fastest, healthiest. I mean, and I have a little bias because I'm, you know, her brother. But sure. but, but really, like they get all the awards in sports and, and, and she just ate rice for three months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like I totally believe it. It's, it's amazing, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. Well, I'm glad they're healthy. That sounds <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so, so these um, these coins, these three coins, yeah, yeah. one is physical, which is uh, exercise and rest. Mm-hmm. The second coin is chemical, right? And mm-hmm. and the chemical dimension, there's the two sides are deficiency and toxicity. And and this this is especially important for our autoimmune uh, friends is, is you've got to address both not just toxicity and not just deficiency, but we've got to see both sides of that coin. There are things we are deficient in. Vitamin D is, you know, just an example. There is a lot of new research coming out that they're saying probiotics for your guts, there's no strand or no spectrum of probiotics that's complete. And then there's other substances now that we're reading about that we need to put in there to make that flora grow on its own and, and support itself, which again goes by that innate wisdom. The third coin is your psychological dimension. We do need to avoid the the negative stuff, but we also need to feed the brain with the positive. So it's two sides of that coin. It's just constantly avoiding the bad, but never really putting the good into it. Mm. Uh, right now, we can close our minds and 
visualize something incredible in front of us. And the hormonal, I mean, you know, um, visualize someone attractive standing in front of you, your hormones will change. Mm -hmm. Visualize your worst nightmare having come true. Different hormones get released in the Mm -hmm. body. So we've got to watch that. And if we approach it, a three-dimensional approach, along with the treatment for, for the autoimmune, address these three dimensions of stress. And, and stress is literally a force that causes change in your life. It's, stress can be gravity. Gravity is a force. It keeps your feet on the ground, but it can also cause you to fall. doesn't mean it's good or bad. Fire is a force. It can burn your hand, but it can cook your food. It's not good or bad. Uh, money is a force. It can fund terrorist activities, but it can also put your children through college. You can't say it's good or bad. It's neutral. And we need to look at stress as something completely neutral. It's not good and it's not bad, but you can use it to create change in your body. Mm, beautiful. I often try and teach my kids that uh, with regards to uh positive and negative for for all things really because you know like there's the there's the uh a parable that i'm not going to share because it's quite long but basically the the moral of the story is there is no good there is no bad there it just is for everything and if if we it's all in the interpretation isn't it if something happens to us and we interpret for example if we interpret a roller coaster ride as to be terrifying and our stress response kicks in then we actually have a negative physiological response to right. that experience but if we get on the roller coaster and we think it's thrilling and amazing then our body like you mentioned endorphins we get a positive result from the experience and two people that had the same experience yeah. but one has come out with a negative physiological outcome and the other a positive so it's all in the interpretation for everything right. yeah not only that, you release the inner leukins that are such strong anti-cancer medication. I mean, it's like $100,000 worth of anti-cancer drugs that you just put into your body by enjoying that experience. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's talk about um, some, perhaps some case studies, or if you'd like to ex- uh, talk a little bit more about the, the three coins in practice. It's a great, not metaphor, but it's a great uh, packaged uh, way of putting this together. Um, have you got some examples for us or if you get some maybe some illustrations of how this Absolutely. can work? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you know, um, uh, when you look at the chemical dimension, you know, uh, vitamin D is one. Sunlight is is a great source of vitamin D. It doesn't actually give you vitamin D, but what it does is it makes your skin convert cholesterol to vitamin D. And, and then vitamin D helps you have a healthy heart and her healthy bones and it supports a lot of other systems in your body including your mood so 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 many times if we're having mood issues and anxiety or depression 15 minutes in the sun once a day can really change all of that over time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. another one when we're looking at the psychological dimension would be visualization you know, we talked about how if, if we worry, worry is negative visualization. We, we're visualizing something terrible happening, and then we're believing that it's actually going to happen when 90% of things we worry about never happen. The other 10%, we realize it wasn't as bad, or sometimes we go, I shouldn't have worried about it in the first place. I, I recommend visualize something good. You take 60 seconds once a day. You close your eyes. You go back to your favorite vacation spots. And in your mind and and try to visualize it in such detail that you feel the breeze on your face or the sounds or or the the, the sight or whatever it was that that made it so special for you. Recreate that inside of you, because 
your body doesn't know the difference between something that's actually happening versus something that's imagined in vivid detail and you'll get better and better at it and your body will start to change. All of a sudden you open your eyes, you'll feel like you actually went on that vacation. Another one is music. How crazy do some people act when their favorite song comes on? They could be at a wedding or a party. They're sitting there sipping champagne and their song comes on. Now they're jumping around like hyenas, making noises and dancing, and they don't care who's watching. Music can really change. I'll give you one example. I had an aunt, Aunt Simi. Uh, I was seven years old. My dad said, Aunt Simi's coming over. She just left the doctor. The doctor said she only has six weeks to live because she has breast cancer. So Aunt Simi came over and being a seven-year-old, I'm thinking, how should I think? How should I act? Should I act like I'm sad? Should I act like nothing's wrong? What should I do? And while I'm thinking about all this, Aunt Simi walked in, said hi to everybody, walked over to the stereo. And then, you know, this this is many, many years ago. So we had these big giant, you know, stereo with the, with the dual cassette player and yeah, the big yeah. plate. You know, so there was a bin on the bottom with all the cassettes and she searched in there and picked her favorite cassette, and put it in and pushed play. And the speakers just came to life and music started coming and she started dancing and she grabbed my dad and pulled him to the center of the living room, started dancing with him, grabbed my mother and they started dancing. And then she chased me around the living room. She caught me and made me dance with her. And all of us are dancing till the song ended three, four minutes later. And when the song ended, she said, listen, I may only have six weeks, maybe more, maybe less. I'm going to play that song once a day, every day. I'm going to dance to it and I'm going to celebrate that I'm alive that day and I'm going to enjoy these days as much as I can. You know, she started going through therapy and and she became really weak and 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 um, lost her hair and, and uh, didn't have the energy to stand up and dance. So two people would hold her up when they would play that song. And she all she had to, she all she could do was just tap her foot and maybe bob her head a little bit. But then little by little, she started to get the strength back and she started to uh, become healthier and stronger. She still died of cancer, but not for another 10 years, Goodness. 10 years. And during those 10 years, she played that one song and danced to it every single day. She would probably tell us that those were better 10 years than the you know 30 some years she was alive prior to that. So music is one of those things. Um, you know, sleep, uh, we talked about earlier a little bit. Sleep mm. is so important, so wonderful. So many things happen. Now we're we're starting to link uh, Alzheimer's to poor sleep because beta amyloid is a substance that uh, builds up in the brain and it becomes toxic and forms the plaques that you see when you do autopsy on someone who had Alzheimer's. And so we know that the more deep REM sleep we get, the less toxins we have in our brain. In fact, REM sleep is when the brain detoxifies. Now it's, it's um, signified by dreaming. Now you're not supposed to remember your dreams, but if you don't dream, you'll start to have hallucinations during the day. That's where the um, uh, delirium tremors come from, from alcoholics. Alcohol before bed reduces your ability to dream and hit REM sleep. So if you're not dreaming enough and you become an alcoholic, you start to have hallucinations when, when you don't drink alcohol. And that's why they're normal when they drink, not normal when they don't drink. <laughs> so important to be able to get proper sleep. Reduce temperature in your house before mm -hmm. bedtime for mm -hmm. about two, three hours before bedtime, make it cooler. You're signifying to your body that it's almost time to go to sleep. Melatonin gets ready to be released. Make sure you're sleeping in the dark. Make sure you don't drink coffee or any caffeinated mm -hmm. drinks 
for six hours before you go to bed. Uh, I would recommend don't watch the news before you go mm -hmm. to bed. Uh, don't, or anything negative, because that can send you into fight or flight. And then, um, you know, uh, screens, you know, stay off of your phone and your your tablets for 30 minutes before you go to sleep, because that light, the, the, the blue light that gives you in your eyes can stop melatonin production as well. Just like your skin produces vitamin D under the sun, your skin produces melatonin when you're in pitch black darkness. That's why like we cover ourselves with a sheet, even in the summer when it doesn't get that cold, you cover yourself because it's literally blocking the light. And that's why you're more comfortable. So it's very important that you sleep well. And then um, another one would be how you eat. Uh, you, you know, I'm a very busy person. We, we see hundreds of patients on a daily basis in my practice. I have two other doctors on the team, several team members. And there are times if we take emergency patients, there are times where I might only have 15 minutes to eat. And your natural tendency is, you know, I'll make sure I eat healthy, right? But the tendency is in these 15 minutes, let me get in as much nutrition as I can. That's not going to work. So what I do is I pretend that I have an hour to eat, mm -hmm. even though I only have 15 minutes. I'll play a little bit of classical music. I'll sit down and put my food out on my desk. I'll t turn all the work off. I'll, I'll tune out. I'll say a prayer of gratitude. And I'll start eating as if I have all day to eat. And when the 15 minutes is up, I'll pack my food up and put it away and go because I know that the food that I ate was received in a state of rest and repair, which means it's going to get digested properly. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's a great tip. Um, and you also, you did mention earlier um, exercise. We've gone through sunshine, visualization, music, uh, sleep and eating. Why don't we talk a little more again about uh, exercise? Because we kind of get stress reduction for free by doing that too, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, th there's this thing called species-specific exercise. So, you, you know, a, a frog would hop for exercise. Right. And uh, I would assume a giraffe would have to move his long neck for exercise and, and whatever else uh, species you want to think about, a turtle or a dolphin. But for us, the number one best thing we can do from a neurologic standpoint is walking not jogging, but walking. Running is good. Running is better than jogging uh, because you're swinging your arms. Now, what's the first thing we do when we're babies? First, we learn to roll over. Then we learn to get up on our hands and knees. And then we learn to crawl. Crawling in neurologic terms is a cross crawl pattern, which means this hand works with the opposite leg then this hand works with the other leg, right? And you teach your body. So there's synapses between the hemispheres of your brain and they crossfire. That cross crawl pattern teaches you how to read when your eyes have to track across a page. They make you more intelligent. They build coordination. So a personal example, my mother would tell you that I never crawled when I was a baby. I learned to sit up and then I would put my hands down and slide on my butt yeah. until I would grab something and I'd find a railing, I'd pull myself up and stand and start walking. So I never crawled. Mm -hmm. I have severe dyslexia. If it takes you one minute to read a page in a book, it takes me 10 times that it takes me 10 minutes to read one page. In fact, when I wrote my book, I couldn't read it to edit it. So I had to hire someone to read the my own book to me on the phone so I could listen and edit it orally. She would make the edits and then read it back to me. Mm. And it took six and a half years to write this book for wow. that very reason. Um, 
But even now, when we want a neurologic, nervous system is everything. If I take my brain out, I'm not going to live. This is the most important thing right here. And we know that there's a nerve that connects this to everything else in the body. We have nerves that go to every cell, every tissue, every organ in the body. There are studies that have shown that if you cut nerve supply to your hand and you have a cut, that hand doesn't heal properly. We know that if there's interference on the nerve to the heart, the heart doesn't respond to stress properly. That's when you get things like panic attacks or anxiety where nothing's wrong, but all of a sudden your heart starts to race. There's so many examples of that. So the nervous system, one of the best ways to feed your brain is to have that cross crawl pattern. So depending on your needs, if it's a child who didn't crawl, I say you need to crawl 30 minutes twice a day, even though you already know how to walk, get on your hands and knees and crawl. To force you to do that cross crawl pattern, I'll make some kids do skipping. Because when you skip, you really push up one arm and one knee, the other arm and the other knee. And skipping can can act like that cross-crawl pattern. It can be something that's fun. Oh, I see. There's yep. these things yep. called the lizard exercise where I have children lie down with one arm up like this, the other down, and the opposite knee is bent, and they have to be coordinated enough to change all of it all at the same time. It teaches the brain to work together, right and left hemisphere. So walking. Go for a walk, 30 minutes once a day. Do it in sunlight. Now you're getting the vitamin D. Visualize some really great things while you're walking and listen to your favorite song. You got all the things in one right there. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Before we uh, before we close out, have you got uh, a case study that some maybe that you've worked with at your clinic who you've taught this to? Or do you teach this? I know you're real busy at, at your chiropractic clinic. Uh, do you have time to go into this stuff or do you just um, work with patients the way that sort of classic chiropractic works where you've got, you know, people lie down and they get adjustments and corrections and maybe some massage? So, yeah, talk about how, you, how you're able to connect this information on a one-on-one basis and if you've got some examples of how it's changed people's lives. For sure. Um, you, you know, uh, we, we have a stages of care that we put you through. Right. So when you first come in, whatever the condition is it brought you in, we'll obviously address that. So phase one is get you to feel better. Then phase two is to make you stronger because uh, how much stress, how healthy you are is 100% dependent on how much stress you can handle. So it's kind of like going to the gym. If you're lifting weights today and you can lift 100 pounds today, but tomorrow you go to the gym and you only lift 50 pounds and the next day you go to the gym, you lift 20 pounds and each time you go to the gym, you lift less weight, you're not going to get stronger. So we've got to introduce stress into our life little by little in a controlled fashion to get stronger. So how we do that is we run a test called heart rate variability. So so back up, when you first come in, The first thing we do is look at your nervous system. So I want to know how is your coordination, because that tells me if it's the right side of the brain, left side of the brain, if it's if it's the front or the back, if it's if it's visual cortex versus auditory versus motor functions that are effective, it's the cerebellum. I'll make you do some weird tests like walk in a line with your eyes closed or try to touch your nose with your pinky finger with your eyes closed and see if you miss. I'll make you walk with your arms in front of you with your eyes closed just to see if you turn to one side or you stay straight. So we'll analyze those patterns and then we'll do a surface electromyogram with the computer. We'll digitally map the tone of the muscles on the sides of the spine. We'll do a thermal scan, look for heat patterns and blood flow on the sides of the spine. 
x-rays are critical. We'll take specific x-rays. For example, one will be right through the mouth so we can see if the first bone in the neck is aligned properly because if it's not, it presses on the brainstem. Well, the brainstem is where the vagus nerve comes that goes to all your vital organs. And so if someone's having trouble breathing or heart problems or um, issues with their gut, a lot of times that needs to be balanced so the nerve to the organs are balanced and then those problems tend to get better. That's the first visit. After about three months, when we've got them feeling good and able to exercise and do some of the strengthening, now we do a test called heart rate variability. Of course, we take post x-rays to see if those changes we wanted are, are occurring. Heart rate variability tells me a few things. It tells me at rest if you're stuck in fight or flight mm. or if you're exhausted. And if your stress adaptability is where it should be or if it's lower. So we call it GAP, general adaptation potential. It's your ability to adapt to your environment. And that test tells us that. So the second stage takes about a year is mm -hmm. to make you stronger so you can handle stress. Once we finish that, if you want to stay with us, third stage is longevity. Now we've got to add years to your life. We taught you how to overcome your injury. We taught you how to get strong in the face of stress. Now let's work on longevity. How do we get you to live longer? And that that's some of the things we talked about today, sleep, nutrition, mm. exercise mm. on a deeper level, on a more intense level. Uh, and then lastly, I want to make sure you you feel younger. You know, I want you to feel younger than your age all the time, because if you feel better, you're stronger, you're living longer and you feel younger, you've got everything you want. And once we teach you all those things, you're on your own and you may want to stop in every once in a while just to get checked out. But we're pretty much done with you. So quick story I'll tell you um, because I, I'm such a fan of proper sleep. Um, I had a family that used to come in every every few weeks just to get checked. And, and if they needed an adjustment, we'd adjust them. And um, the dad and the two kids showed up without their mother one day. And I said, where is she? They said, well, she's in the hospital. And they didn't want to really tell me at first. They were embarrassed about it. But turned out she had attempted suicide. And and she was in the hospital uh, recovering. And so I wanted to go visit her and and uh, went, went and found out. Now, this was a police officer in a neighboring town. The, the lady was and she worked the night shift. So she would work from, you know, I don't know, midnight to 7 a.m. And then she'd get up. She, she'd come home, wake up the kids, get them ready for school, take them to school, go back home and sleep during the day. Mm -hmm. And then she would wake up, pick up the kids from school, help them with their homework get them their dinner, put them to bed, go to work. So she worked during the night and slept during the day. And, but she'd been doing that for, you know, 15 years and, and no problem. So what's the difference now? Well, it turned out they had just built a new house and this house had a skylight right over the bed in the master bedroom. And so she was sleeping in the master bedroom with a window over the bed and during the day, it's sunlight. So she couldn't get it dark enough. And because she couldn't get dark enough, no melatonin was being released. Her serotonin levels were off. And she was starting to have some depression, anxiety, mood swings, and so on. And that's what led to this whole thing, attempted suicide, when life was good and there was no reason for it. So we said, hey, we're going to put dark curtains on the guest bedroom and you're going to sleep in there. You're going to seal it. So it's dark. It's so dark. When you open your eyes, you can't tell if it's, you know, if your eyes are open or closed and she started sleeping there. We supported her adrenals with some supplements, but you know what? Literally a few months later, all depression went away. She was normal and, and felt fine. That's how important sleep is. Wow. Yep. Very confronting story, isn't it? To think that someone's life was almost taken away just because of the 
the the sunlight coming through the, the ceiling and yeah, crazy stuff. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you. Being very generous with your time. I took some uh, notes along the way. I was fascinated by your your real life story about the the bomb example. You were you were raised uh, in Iran, weren't you? You're, That's right. Yeah. Uh, when did you move to the United States? 1985. So so first there was the revolution. So I was five years old, and there was fighting in the streets, rioting and so on. And and the government was overthrown. And, and then Saddam Hussein and Iraq attacked Iran because we didn't technically have a military. So all the bombing started. And then um, I lived up north near the Caspian Sea, where um, it was a vacation area, lots of recreational facilities and beautiful beaches and so on. So there wasn't any bombings there. But if we were ever visiting in the capital, if we went to Tehran, that's when we experienced the bombing. But then they converted. There was this beautiful park across the street, and that got converted to a POW camp. Oh, and they wow. put all the prisoners of war over there. Wow. And once a month, they would escape, and there'd be bullets flying through the streets, and we all had to go run and hide. And they would ring the doorbell, and we'd have to open the gate and hope that it's not the prisoners of war that are coming into our house, that it's actually the soldiers that want to protect. Right. Anyways, lots of stressful times. So I, 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 I can tell um, – what stress feels like. And, uh, you know, I, I tell you this, uh, you know, moving to the States was actually more stressful than even the bombing because we showed up in Los Angeles with, with two suitcases uh, and and no place to live and couldn't understand the language. And, uh, you know, so anyways, all of that together is where I am today. Wow. It's an amazing story. I love hearing stories of, of moving from one country to another, uh, particularly from like Middle Eastern areas. Um, yeah. And uh, it, just as an aside, but it interested me, I, I was in a taxi actually, um, getting a taxi back, I saying goodbye to my parents. I helped them drive our cars uh, back towards the farm in, uh, out in Sydney and then caught a taxi back because uh, they had to take both our cars uh, to the farm. And the taxi driver, he had an accent and, um, you know, I asked him where he's from and uh, and he didn't want to tell me. And I said, why not? And he's like, oh, you, you'll think different of me. And I said, what do you mean? And I said, where are you from? He said, Afghanistan. And I said, why would you think different? He said, oh, people change their attitude towards me when I tell them I'm from Afghanistan. And I said, well, you know, I, I've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years. I entertained the troops in Iraq and throughout the Middle East. And I've got friends who went to Afghanistan, although I didn't go to that country. And my appreciation for the Middle East is immense because of, I've experienced these some of these countries. And I, I feel that... Um, you know, that it's eye-opening and, and you develop an, an affection for that part of the world that you, you otherwise don't if you've not been to anywhere, you know, especially countries that have been through war times. And, and I, you know, I, I thought, how tragic, you know, that he's embarrassed to say where he's come from and yet here he is, you know, he's moved countries and he's done all these things. And I said, you ought to be proud of where you're from. You know, you, no one should yeah. be embarrassed or, or upset, but, you know, it just touched me that, he had that opinion of himself, and I, yeah. I did my best to try and change that. Uh, it's crazy, you know. Exactly. And when I came here, we weren't too far away from the Iran hostage crisis. And so, what Iran did to the to the to to America, taking over, you know, the the U.S. embassy and holding those people hostage for such a long period of time. I mean, a lot of people really hated Iranians, but I never really experienced any prejudice. I mean, people were like, "Hey, listen, we know you're not your government," and and right. they they treated us really well. So I was blessed with that. That's fabulous. It's fabulous, and 
We're blessed to have had you talk with us now for the you know good part of 40, 40 minutes or so. Uh, the stuff you talked about, adrenal fatigue, was really interesting. Uh, offline, I might get your, if you don't mind, to provide us some guidelines for your, uh, if you have some sort of standard practice around prednisone reduction approach. A lot of it may be the, you know, your, your three coins and your all the examples of lifestyle things. But if there's any, you know, if there's any specific supplementation that you mentioned or some, some help sure. with adrenal fatigue, that stuff I'd like to, uh, to share with my audience as well, because the 30% of people with uh, rheumatoid arthritis are on prednisone. And you highlighted the osteoporosis that comes with it and the, and the increased interpersonal stress responses and stuff. So right. I'd like that. Um, and then your, the idea around innate wisdom and innate knowledge, you know, we all have this, it's common sense, isn't it? We all have this kind of commonsensical stuff that goes out the window when we're worried about so much going on. We, we make decisions that are otherwise just illogical. Um, the three coins is fabulous. The physical, the chemical, the psychological is just great. And then your examples around how sunshine, visualization, music, sleep, eat, eat well, exercise well, and how all these things can help reduce our stress. And if you put all them together, you're going to feel a lot less stress, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in the book, we also talk about breathing. So if anyone's interested in the, in the book, it's, yeah. the, you know, it's offered on Amazon. And, and I, I have a whole section on how you breathe can switch, can flip that switch from fight or flight back to rest and repair. And then you'll be able to fall asleep, even if you had trouble falling asleep before. Excellent. Let's talk about the book for a moment further. Now, we mentioned that the book is called The Stress-Proof Life, The Secret to Health, Wealth, and Happiness. It's a five-star, 22 out of 22. Uh, absolutely sensational. I've never seen that before. That's a, that, that's a huge, huge pat on the back. Thank now, you. Uh, they can get it on Amazon. Fantastic. And uh, let's see. Uh, no, that's that's probably all we need. I, I wanted to ask about your clinic. Your clinic sounds fantastic. How can people actually see you in person if they're in the same state, for example? Oh, yeah. Just go to midatlanticclinic.com. Midatlanticclinic.com. You can schedule a, a new patient appointment right there. You can contact us, uh, you know, send us an email and we'll reply to you if you have questions. Uh, uh, I will definitely send you. We have specific protocols for for things like rheumatoid and psoriatic arthritis and so on with, with herbal supplements and so on. Unfortunately, I have to give that disclaimer that, you know, unless I've examined you, I can't say this is what you should take. So I'll give it to you in forms of, hey, here's what we did with patients in the past that worked very, very well. Talk to your doctor and see if it works for you. But yeah, I'm happy to give you all that information. There's tremendous amount of information there. And if anyone wants to just talk to me, I'm happy to get on the phone with them and, and hear their history and see if there's anything we can do. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. I'm very grateful for that. Now I've got one last question. And this last question is, what was the name of the song that Aunt Simi wanted to dance to? Oh my God! It, it's an Iranian song, so I don't even remember the name of it. But uh, it was it was an it was a Persian dance song, kind of like a wedding song. You know, if I had to say, it's similar to the song "I Will Survive." You know, it, it had a it had a big following, and you know, everybody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful! Thank you. Okay, well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, again, you've been very generous with your time, and I'm very grateful. Thanks for coming on the on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
You've been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.